0: Let me invite you now to stand, as is our custom here, and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and I'll read to you Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, and I'm so glad you're here, and you know, we, if this is our church as presbyters, we only go to church four times a year, which isn't very frequent, so in a manner of speaking, so I want to talk a little shop with you. I want to talk about ministry with you. And I think this will benefit you, whatever role you have in a church, or if you volunteer, or if you just love the church and love being part of it, let's talk a little shop in Jesus' name. Let's talk about what this thing is that we're called to, ministry. Let's talk about coming together around this task, and we'll do so... Uh, from this brief parable that Jesus told, and it's in Mark 4, beginning in verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Let's pray together. We pray, O Lord, that you would guide us, guide the meditations of our hearts, our thoughts, our applications of this passage and we pray that by so doing you would help us in this task of ministry you've called us to and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Back in the day our church met in a school. So we met for almost 10 years in a school. And I remember one Sunday I don't know. Do you do you have the second bus that comes to your church? You know what I'm talking about. The second bus. The first bus has arrived, and, and you know about five to fifteen minutes after you start worship, the second bus. Do you have that? The second bus. Well, one Sunday we were at the school, converted the cafeteria to be our sanctuary. And I get up to do the announcements, and I start having this internal dialogue because our second bus hasn't arrived yet. And in fact, it, it looks like maybe a lot of people missed the first bus. There's not a lot of people there. Not a lot of people there, and so, you know, the show must go on. so I'm, I'm giving the announcements, but I'm having this internal dialogue in my heart while I'm reading the announcements to people, and I'm thinking to myself, where is everyone? And then it kind of turns into, you know, I worked hard this week on this sermon. I could preach this sermon to 200 people, 400 people, 600 people. It wouldn't change the message of this sermon that much. I've worked so hard and it it sort of changed a little. I've worked so hard, God, why aren't more people here? Have you ever, you don't have to be honest, it's church, but have you ever thought that? I've gotten the treasures of the scripture. I have mined these treasures. I have put effort into this. God, why aren't there more people here to hear it? And so I'm thinking this. Oh, I went there. I'm thinking this. And you notice we have that beginning part of our worship service, preparing our hearts for worship. And it's a time for us to pause, to think, to focus our hearts. So I go back to my chair, preparing our hearts for worship, and the Spirit impresses on me. God impresses on me. In that moment of pride, I'm saying, God, let me tell you what to do. Have more people show up here. In that moment of pride, really God pressed in on me and communicated two things. The first one, you're lucky to have this many people here. (laughs) You know, for at most a two talent person, you're fortunate to have this many people here. That was the first humbling truth that God laid on me in that moment before worship. And the second important truth was reminding me that God is sovereign and the exact people who needed to be there were. Not one more and not one less. And as I recount my pride and how God came against that, I think about how sometimes we all struggle with pride. And that pride may come across in the way that I was telling God what to do. Did you notice that, God? Why aren't there more people here? Maybe your pride manifests itself that way when you question God. Maybe your pride is undetected even by yourself. And that's the thing about pride is usually the prideful person is the last to know how prideful they are. But we struggle with pride as a denomination. In fact, I would say this, it might be the sin of the PCA. After all, we have this well-developed theology And not only do we have a well-developed theology, we are educated. Are we not? I mean, some of us have a master of divinity. We've mastered divinity. And not only do we have this well-developed theology and the education, some of you have wonderful gifts. Wonderful gifts that you exercise in ministry. And not only do we have this theology, this education, these gifts, but a lot of us have these experiences in ministry where we have been there at the most important times of people's lives. We've been there at weddings, funerals, baptisms, births, times when people came alive, were regenerated spiritually. And all of that comes together, doesn't it? The theology, the education, the gifting, the experience, it comes together at the intersection of our ego. Have we not dealt with ego collectively as a presbytery? Sometimes our ego gets the better of us. Sometimes we are prideful and we think for a moment, well, what will come against us Our pride, what comes against our pride to unseat that and to work against that? That's what this parable addresses. Of course, the gospel comes against our pride. And that's what this parable is about. It's about the gospel and the truth of who Christ is coming against our pride. How does that happen? The first thing is what we're called to in ministry. And that's in verse 26. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. What is our job? What is our calling? Scatter seed. It's not that complicated. Ministry is not complicated. When you look at it through the eyes of this parable, ministry is about scattering seed on the ground. If you think for a moment about ancient agriculture, And think back, I used to live in Nebraska, and there on the Capitol, 400 feet up, I think, on the Capitol of the uh, Capitol there in in Lincoln, the Capitol building, is a gigantic statue of a sower. And the sower has a bag of seed and a shoulder strap around his uh, shoulder there, and he is casting seed out from that bag. Sowing seed. And if you think about that, you've got to think, how indiscriminate is that? How inefficient? If you look earlier in Mark 4, we get the parable of the soils. There's no examination of the soil to see whether or not the seed planted there will actually sprout. This indiscriminate sowing. Casting the word out there, preaching, proclaiming the gospel. That's what we're called to. And it's humbling in its singularity of task that this is what we are called to. We are called to scatter, to scatter this seed. But we can take tremendous confidence in this seed that we scatter. If you look in Isaiah 55, verse 11, just to remind you of this truth. Isaiah 55:11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sin it. This indiscriminate. Sowing, this inefficient way of doing agriculture, that is what we are called to. So what do we do? We scatter. We scatter. Led by the Spirit, we engage in ministry. That sometimes doesn't make earthly sense because we cannot discern better than God can. And so here's the application for you as you think about scattering seed. And some of us need to get back to scattering seed. Our calling as elders is not to be keyboard warriors, whatever that is. It's called scatter the seed, scatter the seed. So my encouragement to you, go out there, have those inefficient meetings. Have those meetings or lunches with people and you think to yourself as you're walking in the restaurant you think to yourself this is such a long shot that this person would ever come to know christ go have that meaning scatter the seed leave the rest up to the lord scatter that's what we're called to to scatter the seed but you've got to ask the question Won't we get tired continually scattering the seed? How do we take care of ourselves as we scatter the seed so we can stay, as it were, in scattering shape? That's the topic on the next verse here, back to Mark 4. Verse 27, there's a pattern here to the scattering. He sleeps and rises night and day. That's the pattern. Again, ministry, not complicated. Scatter the seed. And then what do you do after you scatter the seed? You sleep and you rise. You give yourself over to this pattern of living and working and resting. You notice the sleep there. The sleeping there points us to something significant. That is a trust in the one who makes the seed grow. This sleeping and rising, following this pattern of resting and working is what we're called to as we scatter the seed. So there's a pattern in the ministry. There's a time we should sleep and rest. There's a time to rise and to go work. And we all understand and get this. So I don't know why we don't do it. Sometimes it's the demands of people. Sometimes it's our own drivenness and desire for control that deri- uh, deprives us of sleep. But Psalm 127 twenty-seven two, he gives to his beloved sleep. And that's part of how God calls us, after all, he gives us the Sabbath day, doesn't he? A day to delight in, a day to rest, a day to rest. Ministry is so asymmetrical, isn't it? The demand can come quickly or all at once, and you have to sustain a certain amount of effort, and that will require rest. And so God has given us one day in seven to rest. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It was a sign to God's ancient people of their liberation. Every week they had a day to remind them that there was a time when they were slaves. And now there was a day they didn't work anymore because God had delivered them from that slavery. And so to us, We are delivered from the slavery of our sin. We are delivered from the slavery of being a human doing and not a human being. And so the fourth commandment is instructive to us here that as pastors, as ruling elders, as deacons, as volunteers in the church, we would sleep. We would rest at times. And one of the best times to rest is to take a sabbatical. And if your church doesn't have a sabbatical policy, I've got a good one. You can uh, plagiarize with my permission and keep it. Because why why do ministers sometimes need weeks, 12 weeks off in a row? Because there are burdens in ministry. There's things that happen in ministry. Being, as it were, the tip of the spear and the charge into spiritual warfare is tiring, and there are things you have to unload that cannot get unloaded in a two-week vacation. And so I encourage you ruling elders, have a sabbatical policy. Keep your teaching elder fresh. Keep them fresh that they might work appropriately and rightly that they will minister better when they are rested, when they have appropriate rest, and they will work accordingly. Now, sometimes we like to debate, well, what's permissible on the Sabbath or not? And, and, you know, good faith subscription and all that, I hope that solved that. I think that misses the point of the beauty of the fourth commandment and the promise of rest that we have. That when we are resting, you notice here, scattering the seed and then sleeping, trusting in God to do what only God can, which is to cause that seed to sprout and grow. Every time we rest, we are faithfully giving the testimony that God is at work, even when we're not. And we need to remember that that we are not primary in ministry but God is. You know, about 2 weeks ago my dad passed away and I was after the funeral I was talking to my cousin who's a physician and he, he very accomplished physician. And I was talking to him he's a little older than I am and I, I was saying, "Well, you know, when are you when are you thinking about retirement and And uh, when are you going to slow down? And he said, "Mm -mm. I spent 16 years getting this training. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to keep going as long as I can. And the thing is, he was a steward of his training. Can you make that connection with me? That he had put all this effort into this training and he didn't want To burn out, he didn't want to check out. He wanted to finish out uh, his career as a physician. And likewise, us. Think of the cloud of witnesses that has poured into your life. People who have encouraged you, churches that stand with you. Think of the educational investment you have made. We're called to be stewards of that. And to be stewards of that means to rest appropriately, to work appropriately. And so, so far, what you've seen is we've considered ministry together. Our primary calling, scatter seed on the ground. It's not to argue theology. It's not even to debate. Though those are important, it is to scatter seed. And then we sleep and we rise. We follow this pattern of trusting God that he is at work even when we're not. We sleep and we rise night and day. We follow that pattern and then what happens? God causes the growth. This is the second half of verse 27 and 28. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Sometimes we talk about, well, you know, we did this as a church or we followed this strategy and a lot of people came out to that program and, and here's why they did. And, and we kind of talk this way, as if we know, as if we know why people show up, as if we know why people join the church, as if we know how people's lives get upended in good ways through the gospel. We talk that way, don't we? Like we know something. And this passage reminds us, he knows not how. You and I can wax eloquent about how we think spiritual transformation happens in people's lives or the good strategies that we pursued or followed, and maybe they are good, maybe not. But at the end of the day, we have to confess together He knows not how, that God is greater than us, that he gets the glory, that we are but stewards of the mystery of the gospel. He knows not how is a statement of our finiteness. It is a statement of our weakness. It is a statement of humility in the face of our pride. The Apostle Paul would uh, write in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7 on this topic of God causing the growth. He, he would write this, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And then this, and we need to hear this, that we might be humbled First Corinthians 3 7 So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. We're not anything. God is who gives the growth. We know not how this happens. And really, if you go back to Mark chapter 4, verse 28 is a reiteration of this fact. He knows not how. Because the sower observes the ground, and what does he see? The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. This is the power of the creator expressed in creation to cause the growth. We don't do it. You know, I want you to think about the church you serve in In the capacity you serve in, and think about for a moment the good things that are happening. People don't often do that, do they? But think for a moment of the good things that are happening. You know, God did that, not you. Whatever is good in your church, God did it, not us. Sometimes he will delight to use us and we get the privilege of him using us. But at the end of the day, we have to say, he knows not how. This is God's work. It is a mystery. The growth of the gospel, the growth of the kingdom, the fact that no matter how bad things get, the gospel will always triumph. Jesus has promised his church will be built and will triumph. Ours is not to know how. Ours is not to speculate. Ours is not to pridefully think we can explain and analyze everything. Ours is to give thanks to God for the growth. Praise him for whatever good you see in your church in the church you serve. So, so far, what we've seen, we've been talking shop about ministry. Our primary calling, scatter seed. What do we do? After we scatter the seed, we follow a pattern. We sleep and we rise. We give thanks to God because he makes it grow. We know not how. And the last thing here, verse 29, we get to enjoy the harvest. We enjoy the harvest. What a privilege we have that we scatter seed, we don't cause the growth, God does that, and then we get to participate in the harvest. Verse 29, but when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The harvest has come. We have the privilege of putting in the sickle. The incompetent likes of us see the harvest of the kingdom of God, and we bring in the sheaves. We participate in the harvest. What a privilege we have to be involved in the harvest. To handle these eternal things is a supreme privilege we cannot earn, nor do we deserve. So we come to ministry, I hope first and foremost, in humility. And we scatter that seed. And sometimes we might need to remind people, are you scattering seed right now or are we arguing the finer points of theology? Scatter the seed. That's ministry. And we scatter that seed. We follow the pattern that God has called us to. He gives the growth. We enjoy the harvest. That is the kingdom of God. It is as if a man Should scatter seed on the ground and it grows. He knows not how. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank you that you have called us to this privilege of seeing the harvest happen, that we together, as your church, scatter seed. We pray you would impress upon us the need to sleep and rise, to follow this pattern, to rest appropriately, to work appropriately. And we pray that by so doing, we might trust that you make it grow and that each of us in our churches would see your kingdom grow. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.